So um, I enjoy the aesthetics. I enjoy going to cafes. I enjoy the atmosphere, people chatting and everything. So there, uh, I'm from Korea, and there is a very old comparatively old um, bakery in Korea that's called Taegukdang in um, Seoul, Korea. This place was um, built and was up and running since 1946, which was right after the decolonization of the um, Japanese empire. Um, the interesting thing about this bakery is that after there were uh, there was a renovation in 2015, and they have been a very active and leading um, position in distributing these kind of retro culture in Korea. And also they have continued at the same time, kind of stepped with the current um, interest of the people. So on the very right, the, this is the very original um, mural paintings or carved reliefs uh, that are still remaining. They uh, still have it. Um, this is the new renovated um, bakery interior. Uh, even though it's renovated, um, like in terms of sanitary, it has been more um, uh, uh, manageable, but at the same time, they still conserve the antique and retro atmosphere. On the very left is a children's book. They also established a children's book on the history of the um, the baker who established this bakery. So I was very fond of this um, bakery because uh, back in my university in Korea, uh, my professor was engaging a lot with the ob objects, like the ovens or the kitchen utensils. She had to analyze them to create a new history for this bakery, and I thought that in terms of like our history, it was interesting to connect material and the result is um, very um, intriguing. So these are some of the um, representative menus. Um, as you can see on the very top, there is a very um, pretty looking cake, uh, which doesn't taste very good, I guess. It's all very sugary. Um, but um, it kind of led a specific trend in Korea because by then we didn't have a thing as cake. I mean, in Korea, we do have a thing that's more comparable to cake, which is called rice cake, and in Korean, tteok. Um, it has layers, just like cakes, but it doesn't have these creamy kind of texture. It's more based on dried fruits and um, nuts. So the texture is totally different. It's, uh, when it comes to cakes, it was much soft. Um, so it kind of changed the way people gathered around and enjoy birthday parties or weddings or special anniversaries. So recently, we had a very popular soap opera that's called... Um, Reply um, 1988. I don't know why 1988 doesn't appear here. So this is a very famous scene. Uh, this is the cake that the actual bakery has supported. Um, the scene has become really popular and gained another attention to the traditional bakery. And this is a very, I think, a prototype scene uh, from the um, 80s and 90s family or friends having a party so they're all Korean dishes but at the very center there's a cake that gathers around and kind of represents what's happening so this is a birthday event so um, I think this scene was very interesting in terms of um, cake it's not only sharing um, like you're not only sharing the taste but also you're sharing the visionary and you're sharing the memory and I think in that case uh, the cakes are really interesting to function as both visual and um, gastronomical um, Delicacy. So 
The second reason why I began to um, build my interest in cakes was because after reading um, Emily Allen's culinary exhibition, Victorian Wedding Cakes and Royal Spectacle. So basically to summarize the essence of this paper is as you can see on the photos, the cakes were constructed just like architecture and, and this became as a centerpiece of many royal events. This is a quote that I found really interesting. So when reading it loud, while those cakes actually made for physical consumption went out to enlist the gustatory participation of the chosen, the desperately out creations that appeared in print gave the Victorian public an opportunity to gaze upon a symbol of national greatness and monarchical authority. So in that case, cake has, as I just mentioned earlier, a shared interest and shared memory based on the taste, but also something that's based on a visionary. So it has a visual uh, monumentality, that's what I would like to say. And I think in that case, in terms of monumentality, cake shares similarity with architecture. So when you see a grand architect, then you feel this grandiose um, monumentality that nothing else can actually deliver. So from now on, I would like to move on and explain the anthropo anthropological approach that I use. Um, as an art historian, this was a really new methodology. And when you are, are an art historian, you only engage with materials. You, don't, you can't even talk to dead people when you're doing pre-modern, right? So in terms of anthropology, I had to interact with people. I have to have a very close analysis of the conducts of the people. So what I did was, and also Professor Palmier recommended us to visit the place actually and see what people do. So the, my first visit uh, took place on October 26, 2019. It was a very rainy and windy day, just like today, I guess. Um, a very ordinary day for Chicago. Um, this Rosers Bakery is placed in Hunbel Park. Um, and interestingly, what I expected was there will be a lot of other shops that would be nearby and a little cozy place, but this bakery was like in the middle of nowhere, so it was surprising. And it was also surprising to see that this bakery still um, is up and running, even though there are nothing beside that area. So these are some of the sceneries that I saw as soon as I entered in. On the left, there were a lot of customers because I think it was around the time of um, Halloween. So there were a lot of people who wanted to pick up their cakes. Um, there were, uh, there was, those are the num ticket numbers. Uh, these were some balloons. So in terms of these balloons, I heard, before I went here, I heard that there is another shop right next to the Rosers Bakery, which is also for party supplies. But this was, I think the, the business is not uh, up and running now, now, so and it's closed. So I think most of the party supplies are also moved inside the bakery. On the right, you can see three of the Rosers, um, John Rosers. So the one who, who's currently running the business is called John Rosers III. Um, I will be explaining this, but I was able to interview him um, for um, on my second visit. So. There's also a remark from City of Chicago. Um, there's also the Master Baker Award. And when you enter in, at the very center of, uh, of the bakery, you can see the neon sign that says over 100 years. So they're very proud of themselves. They all, I heard that they also had an anniversary party uh, with the community to celebrate the 100 years um, of their bakery in Humboldt Park. So 
Another very monumental aspect of this place is that they're centered on cakes. So these are all types of cakes that you can see on a cabinet. They have cakes, but so the cake is the main menu for them. But at the same time, um, they also produce ice cream. Um, I heard that this ice cream production began um, about 30 years ago, and this has been expanded to their own customized ice cream, like walnut flavors and many more. So I think the owner right now is trying to expand the spectrum or the flavors of the ice cream to become as as equivalent, the, the quality to be as equivalent as the cakes. So, and then... There was a second visit. So I was now able to get access to the back door and see how the cakes were actually made. So at first I was very surprised by the atmosphere and the very vibrant atmosphere of the bakery. And now I was able to see a more vibrant atmosphere behind the bakery, which is where these um, things happen. So as soon as you enter in, what I saw was this scene where there were also layers of cakes um, delivered to the counter and you can see how the like, there is a very big um, panel that's right in front of the door that every um, people every employees can see so there are 30 employees in total at Roser's bakery and 15 are working at the counter the others are working at the bakery um, on the left is John Roser the third, I was able to interview him. He's about the early 30. Um, he didn't go to college, and right away, uh, right after he graduated high school, he began to um, learn from his father, and he's now in charge of the whole business. So, uh, so this is the like one, some of the images that I took. I took a lot of photos because I think even though approaching an anthropological way, I can't really get rid of myself being an art historian. I'm just so obsessed with images. Um, so you see a lot of, of these are ovens and uh, these are the main, I thought it was interesting to see only yellow plastic um, trays used to display breads and cakes. And on the right is the uh, color pigments to make um, to make decorations for the cakes. So if you see these images, it's more like a factory rather than a small bakery that you imagine like where you have little doughs and aprons. It, this is more like a very rule-based um, productive factory uh, atmosphere. And there's also another there are units that create the bakery. So these were already made artificial flowers. I think these are made with sugars. Um, these are also made with a carefully planned. So they already have a catalog for the customers to actually select from. And then they use the exact way that's on the catalog. So it's not a creative um, action, but it's more of a factory-based, a very um, standardized way of producing cakes. Uh, I would like to introduce two of the main cakes in the Rose's Bakery. So one on the left is Linzer Tort. Um, this has been um, up and running since the very establishment of the bakery from uh, 19, uh, 1900. This, the lattice um, decoration is the most representative uh, and symbolic figure. Um, this is the icing on top. If you see, there's pineapple, apricot, I think it was raspberry. So the reason why there's a jam on top of it is to represent which flavor are inside the, uh, the cake. And Neapolitan tort. So I asked, what's the difference between tort and cakes and whether tort and cakes are the same? What he, uh, Roser, um, 
the baker told me is that it's basically the same, but the very characteristic of the torts are that they have layers. So torts can also become cakes, but he says that all cakes cannot become torts. So in that case, the Neapolitan tort, inside those swirls, you have layers of um, uh, vanilla cream and chocolate sponge cake and also red velvet. And so there are like layers of cakes. Um, I think I'll be um, giving you from that now. So the reason why I connected this to my artwork in terms of the Bauhaus is that when it comes to building cakes, I thought, you know, the exterior looks very, you know, curvy and decorative, but at the same time, as I just mentioned, when I walked into the back door of Rose's Bakery, it felt more like a factory rather than a more creative ground. I think maybe it's because of the mass production that's required for the customers, but at the same time, I think that's the best way to create cakes because cakes do have orders. In that sense, I thought, as same as the Bauhaus, who had very creative out, uh, outcomes, they also had very basic models to create their or create their own works. So in that case, there were three types of colors, shapes, and textures. And I think this is a very representative model that's based on the uh, basic elements that are that were preferred by the Bauhaus scholars. So in terms of Bauhaus, I think in terms of like the period, Bauhaus began in the early 20th century and the Rose's Bakery also began in, uh, in the 20th century. Rose's Bakery, which is a family-based bakery, was a German-based bakery. I think in that case, that also kind of leads and alludes to the Germanness of, uh, of the bakery. And there's another element that connects the uh, Bauhaus to the bakery, which is the architecture. I thought in that case, there was a firm structure that connects um, the Bauhaus and the cakes. So these were the Bunt cakes, which is also a very representative dessert from German. This is a this is good for like baked rolls. So this is a divider that puts uh, divided flowers on top of the and bakes all at once. So on the left is the image of the Neapolitan cakes be, uh, before it was covered with the pink creams and the swirls. So you can see also the layers. So even you know, when thinking about cakes, we don't really recognize how firm or how sturdy it should be to become a cake. We just think about the very fluffiness. So I thought in that case, even though we enjoy the fluffy and soft texture, the structure itself has to be there. And there is a strict rule to construct a firm cake or a cake to be a cake. And this is a spreadsheet to have an even a texture for the flower sheets. So on the very top, you see the yellow sponge cake. Uh, what is so special about Rose's Bakery is that they use hot milk sponge cake, which is a mixture of fluff, fluffer, um, cream, creamer, and hot milk. I think it was one, I think it was butter. And then they mix them all together. The reason why, I mean, it has been a traditional way for many bakeries, but now they don't use the hot milk uh, sponge cake anymore because it's very time consuming and it needs a lot of labor, but they continue to do so. And the perks of using these hot milk sponge cake is that it's more fluffier because the um, air evaporates. So uh, yeah, I haven't tasted this one, I'm, but um, I believe that it'll definitely be great. Um, and then um, Chicago, when, when I think about Chicago, because it's been only like two years since I visited here, but the very image that I have with Chicago is a city of architecture. And 
Surprisingly, when I was doing this research, I found that Bertrand Goldberg, Ludwig Mies van der Rohe had all connection to the Bauhaus. So Bertrand Goldberg, who was born in Chicago, went back to Bauhaus for about one or two years to study architecture in Bauhaus. And as I think many of Chicagoans have already seen this architecture in the Chicago, near the Chicago River um, and the Marina City. And you can also see these um, very units, the units of um, circles that creates the whole or the firmness of the architect. And the top is the IIT building by uh, Ms. van der Rohe. Um, this also has a, a clear cut unit that creates, and I think not only the units, but in terms of the architecture itself, it connects to the Bauhaus um, spirit. So then I began to use my um, cakes to construct. I don't know why the images are so distorted, but um, I have a better image from now on. So. Um, I wanted to use an actual icing on top of it, but um, it just tended to melt so quickly and the firmness was so bad. I had to store it in um, like the fridge all the time, but I think in terms of a better uh, visuality, I chose paper mache and at the same time a paper clay. Um, and then I, I think it took about a week to complete this. Um, and from now on, I would like to introduce uh, the whole procedure and why I decided to make this or connect each of the elements to the Bauhaus or my Rose's Bakery background. So in this case, um, I think every panel has a story. Um, I think Bauhaus scholars and students love to have notes on their notebooks and I kind of, I was inspired by that um, uh, spirit and tried to have a memo, which is based on my field notes. Um, this panel was more on what kind of cakes were. So this was based on the Rose's Bakery cakes. So you can see like bun cakes, uh, like Linzer torts that I mentioned. Um, there are like different flavors. And the lattice design made by my fluffy yarn is the very characteristic of Linzer Tort, which is also a symbolic cake of the Roser's Bakery. And if you see the circle patterns, I was inspired by the Marina City and wanted to connect that element to the, um, to the cake. And then there is the second piece, which is more engaging with the structure of the Chicago architecture. So there are swirls, as you have seen in the Neapolitan Torts, and these little um, swirls um, with the cream were also attached. And at the very back, I actually have my piece, but I forgot to display it here. Um, at the very back of the cake, you can see this pattern, which is the window of uh, Goldberg's building, Prentice uh, uh, River City. This is, I think this is in, you can actually visit there. It's in Ch Chinatown. This one is, um, already deconstructed, um, I think it's like about 10 years ago. Um, this was a hospital, and I placed those dot windows on top of the cakes to um, add the elements of the Chicago architecture to the, um, the cakes. So the next one is the half cake. The reason why I have three different shapes of cake is also based on the Bauhaus having three different basic shapes. And interestingly, um, at Roser's Bakery, they also sold half cakes, which isn't very familiar to me. And I thought that in that case, there will be three basic units for Roser's Bakery to sell their cakes or to um, 
promote their cakes. So in that case, there were a lot of like um, glazed strawberries, so I added that. And also those small creams were also, um, this was all handmade by myself. And then on the panel, you can see how the operation takes place uh, behind the door and how the cakes were made. Uh, these were some of the tools that I used at the back of the bakery. So you can see this mixers and also um, other tools that are used for different thickness of the cake and the different, um, different types of cakes. And right here, not only the, um, the tools that are used, I also added, I don't know why it's upside down. Um, I think it's right. Oh, right here, right here on the left, it says encourage employees to stay. Um, the reason why John Rosers III wanted to hire and did not want to hire new employees as possible was because he had to train them again, and that's really a lot of work. And he just focused much more on keeping the original members as possible. So this was a table that I got from a interview of a local magazine. And he personally had a very strong attachment to the members or the employees of the community. And uh, I saw a lot of uh, Puerto Rican customers coming into not only the bakeries, but also within the neighborhood. And I was asking, what is the ethnography of the neighborhood? And he said, when by the time his great-grandfather arrived in Humboldt Park, it was much of like Swedish and German-based community, but now it's then around like 1990s to 1910s, it was more um, Mexican-based, and now it's Puerto Rican-based. And he mentions that there's a uh, little tension between the two, those two. Um, so he manages to kind of look at the ethnography and cater to those customers. So there are a lot of combination of German and Mexican mixture of baked goods, uh, which is not a majority, but he, I think he is struggling to kind of cater to those local customers as well because they purchase a lot of cakes there. So yeah, in this case, um, the reason, and the last thing about um, the colors of the cakes is that there are red, yellow, and green that are used. So if you see the very, um, very beginning of the bakery, you can see the red, yellow, and green. I asked him whether there was a preference over the colors in terms of creating uh, this banner. Um, he mentioned that because his great-grandfather has passed, um, uh, passed away, he's not able to ask him, but the only thing that I, he heard about the color yellow, which is also the main color of the trays to display the cakes, was that um, yellow goes really well with all types of cakes, and it kind of um, uh, promotes people to buy more cakes, so that's, I think that's one of his strategies, like business strategies. Yes, so basically that was my presentation and artwork, and I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you.